All right, you ready? Hello, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of April 15, 2013. This is episode 189, and this is Chris Bevelo. I am president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. Joining me today remotely are Katie Streeter, content marketing specialist, and Robert Prevo, senior account director. Hello. Hello. Katie and Robert. Hey. How are you? Doing great. We have lots of snow. Oh, gosh. So maybe not so good. It's horrible here. Horrible. Nobody should ever live here. If you're listening to this podcast somewhere else (laughs) in the country, never move here. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. I heard this is is the most snow we've had in April since like the late 1800s. So, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Like 1880 something. Oh, my goodness. It's insane. It's just insane. Mm -hmm. And travel was so bad this morning because it was ice first, at least down where I live. And whatever. It's April, the middle of April, by the way, in case you lost track of time, wherever you are. (laughs) It's not stopping the podcast, though. Nope. Not going to stop us. Though we did miss a podcast. It wasn't for weather purposes, but we skipped a week. So uh, we're back on track. Ready to go. Mm -hmm. Excellent. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so let's see. We got some news. What news do we have? What news hath you? Uh, let's see. I'm going to be at the forum. Actually, it's not going to just be me at the forum because, Robert, you're going to be joining me at the forum conference, correct? Yes, indeed. This will be your entree into the healthcare marketing world. Well, I that's know. not true. You've well, been I'm, there, I'm excited, so. though, as we're talking about snow. We're you know heading to sunny Arizona, so yeah, that's not jealous. bad either. <laughs> Yeah, Katie, you don't get to go this round, but you're going to get to nope. go the next round. No. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and Jackie Wataka will also be joining us in the forum. So it's not just just me, but uh, I will be speaking there twice. Uh, the first one is going to be so the, the conference is in Scottsdale, like Robert said, from the 5th through the 7th of May. So just, I don't know, three weeks away, four weeks away. And I am speaking with Susan Solomon. Oh, I just lost my little doohickey. Dang, doohickey. Dropping doohickeys everywhere. <laughs> it's not appropriate what, at all. What is what is that? <laughs> what is what? <laughs> That's a great question. What is, what is what that? Is, what is a doohickey? You mean in general terms or what am I referring to? Uh, what are you referring to? Though I don't know what it is in general terms either. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Okay. So I was referring to the little <laughs> screen on my microphone oh, that, okay, that makes yeah. our voices sound so good. A doohickey, I don't know what the derivation of that is, but it's a general reference to something that you're not quite sure the name of. So it's like a thingamabob, oh, a whatchamacallit, like a widget, a whatchamacallit, a thingamabob, or a doohickey. Okay. So, a little so semantics. You, you did not make that. You did not make that word up. No, no. Gosh, no. Okay. Hello, generation gap. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> We're learning. So, so you much. can carry. You can carry the torch now for your generation, right. Katie, with right. whatever I called it, doohickey. All I'll right. So back to vocab. Yes, I think you should. Uh, back to the uh, forum. 
Actually, it's called the 18th Annual Healthcare Marketing Strategy Summit. It's just put on by the Forum for Healthcare Strategists. So speaking Sunday, May 5th, first day from 2.30 to 3.45 with Susan Solomon, who's Vice President of Marketing at St. Joseph Health. And we're talking about the critical value of brand in a changing industry. As we all know, the industry is is just going through ridiculous levels of change. Uh, brand is still so important and still so undervalued. Uh, but the, the but the changes in our industry are making it even more of a pressing situation from a brand perspective. So we're going to talk about that, and soon as Susan's going to share their journey with brand. And then on Tuesday, May seventh, I'm speaking for pert near three hours with Chris Boyer, who we all know who Chris Boyer is, uh, vice associate vice president of digital strategy at North Shore LAJ, which is on Long Island, and we're doing our digital strategy workshop. So, join us for that, and then good stuff. But the capper, the the piece de resistance. Have you heard of that, Katie? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. The no. piece de resistance. I don't even know what that stands for. It's French for the piece of a resistance. No, it's. Oh, okay. I don't know what it. No, it stands for like the the crowning part, the big deal, the big cheese, the head honch. I don't know. We'll have to I'll look that, that one up. Too. Yes, but the but the piece de resistance is branding at the bar, which we've talked <laughs> about. So please join us for that. Six thirty to eight thirty. Drinks, food, fun, trivia, mini iPads to give away left and right. You best be coming because it's going to be a good time, and we're sponsoring that with our pals at Evalia, Medicom, and uh, Eruptor. Mm-hmm. So there. So be there, be yeah. square, Katie. Heard of that? Be one? there. <laughs> yeah, I know that all one. Right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, peace to resistance and what you do or whatever I said. Thingamabob. Do I don't remember. Do hickey. Thank you. Okay. So, you know, I already referenced this. So, this is a great first topic to, to dive into. This is a story that I don't know who found it. Katie, I think you found it from mm-hmm. Becker's. Hospital Review, which has lots of good content. And the story is called Point Counterpoint is the Rush to Hospital Consolidation Rash. And as I mentioned when I talked about my presentation with Susan Solomon, uh, lots of changes in the industry, and a lot of them are leading to accelerated consolidation. So we've had consolidation with us and on the provider side of healthcare forever. Uh, but you know, it's happened at a much more slower pace, and now it's really accelerating uh, for lots of reasons. And so this story kind of dives into, well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I thought it was a really well done story. You guys, did you guys both read this one? Yeah, and I, I agree. I think it was yep. a, a pretty pretty good overview of kind of what's going on and some of the some of the things people need to think about. Yeah, yeah, and and so it, I thought it was um, very even handed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the the headline's a little misleading. Like, it's not just about whether it's rash to rush the consolidation. It's more about just overall, does it make sense for these systems to be coming together, um, both for their own sake and for the healthcare consumer's sake? Uh, some interesting stats from this. According to Irvin Lev- Irving Levin Associates, who I have no idea what that is. That just could be some dude in his basement. But I'm assuming <laughs> it's a valid source. 
showed that in 2011, the last year the data is available, there were roughly 90 hospital mergers or acquisitions, the highest number in the past decade. I would assume that's even higher in 2012. And I, I also think that underestimates the actual impact of that because I'm assuming, though there's no real source material here, that that's referring to uh, situations, <clears throat> not necessarily hospitals involved. So you could have like uh, Swedish hospital affiliating with Providence, uh, which involves at the very minimum, you know, three hospitals for Swedish uh, merging with a number of hospitals in, in, a, in a sector of Providence. So uh, I think if you think about the number of hospitals themselves impacted, it would be a lot more than 90. Mm-hmm. So it's just changing quickly. Um, some one one quote from the pro. It's not even a pro uh, side of this story, but I thought this really um, summed it up well. This is from the CFO from Hendrick Health System in Abilene, Texas. He says, quote, it's hard for me to answer whether I see consolidation as a positive or negative. I think it's a natural outcome of what we see happening in the industry. That's the part I really agree with. Uh, it's not, you know, you can think of it as a positive or negative. It just kind of is. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, is the snow today a positive or negative? Well, you know, we would say it's a negative, but it is. It's not like we can change the snow. Uh, and mm-hmm. I don't know that really, you know, any kind of debate or articulation of pros and cons would change what what's going on. It just, it is what it is. Um, he goes on to say, with healthcare reform, sequestration, and all of these cuts, as in with any... As in any other business enterprise, hospital systems are going to look at ways to find efficiencies through scale. I think what you see happening with mergers is a natural result of pressure that's being applied through all of the changes, to which I would agree. Yeah, and I, they also note in here that, and I, I can't find the number exactly, but you know, several hospitals, you know, in 2013 have already declared bankruptcy. So I think again, you know, when you're in this business with such tight margins that yeah it is what it is this is this is what's going to happen i think this is kind of the natural next step with all the the forces at play yeah yeah and we've talked about this before i mean the economics of healthcare on the provider side are so warped uh you know you usually if you know you've got three hospitals in a community at a fourth that sh- you know you've got a set number of um You've got a set demand in that community, theoretically, in any other market, you know, whether you're selling iPhones or you're selling, you know, cars or whatever. And every new competitor, it, it, that doesn't impact the demand, and that should lower prices and um, force consolidation, all that. That hasn't been happening in, in healthcare because we know that, you know, it's, it's a rare industry where the suppliers actually drive demand, not the consumers. Right. And so you can add that fourth hospital, and all of a sudden the demand goes up, you know, in this magic way, uh, because hey, we have to fill our doctors' offices and our surgical suites and our MRI machines. So all of a sudden now more people need an MRI than they did before. What is that a coincidence? No. So so that's kind of the, the the economic situation we've been under, but it is changing, and you know it's what i keep hearing over and over when i go out and, and work with clients or cuz we do a lot of work with organizations that are coming together through mergers or acquisitions or affiliations trying to help them with their brand um and i hear this from experts too all of these changes that this guy's referring to are forcing hospitals and health systems to get bigger they're going to be getting less money for doing more things 
Right. So their margins are going to be slim, slim, slim. Uh, and you know, the old adage, how are you going to, how are you going to make money in that way? You're going to, you're going to make it up in volume. So you may be making, you know, half of what you made before, but you're going to have double the amount of it. So in the end, you're still, you know, going to bring in the same amount of, of profit that assumes though, that you're not just duplicating efforts. So this consolidation Mm -hmm. should actually get some of this redundancies out of the market. Uh, Mm -hmm. And this, you know, somebody gives a quote in here, for example, two hospitals with duplicative services within a reasonable driving distance. Is it realistic to keep both services at both locations open or do you focus one in orthopedics and one in cardiology? So instead of having those four hospitals, each with their own cath lab, two of them might merge and figure out, hey, we can we can serve as many or more people with one cath lab, cut our overhead uh, and that's how costs come down. So uh, all of this is somewhat driven by reform. It's somewhat driven by dropping uh, reimbursement from the federal government. There's a lot of forces. But So with that said, you go to the counterpoint, uh, and some of, the, some of the points in the counterpoint I had a little bit of issue with. Uh, what I will say is there are certainly markets in healthcare where consolidation may not be a good thing because you may have too much power in the hands of too few providers. Uh, And when that happens, they can drive up costs because now they have more market power with payers to negotiate better reimbursement rates. Um, So that's not a good thing. That's not the case in our market. In fact, I'd like to talk a little bit about a a potential merger that's been in the news here recently. Mm -hmm. You know, the Twin Cities has, what, five or six systems. Uh, We don't have one dominant healthcare provider. We have a dominant payer. So we're the other way around. Blue Cross Blue Shield of Minnesota owns like 70% of the insurance market here. Uh, So we don't have that situation. But there are other markets where that is the case. so, so that's a challenge. Another challenge is, is alluded to in here, and, and I talk about this all the time when I'm working with clients, this idea that you bring, you know, you bring two organizations together and there's like on paper all this synergy. So we're going to like, you know, cut out all the, the duplicated services. We're going to cut overhead. We're going to drive efficiencies and we're going to be better. Um, over time, throughout all businesses, most mergers slash acquisitions do not end up driving better value for shareholders, which from a public company standpoint is the main reason you do that, and also don't always drive better results for their consumers because Mm -hmm. it may look good on paper, but it's awfully difficult to pull off. Well, I think when you're thinking about a business, like if you've got two hospitals coming together, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, it's all about local and community. And so as things get bigger and people buy each other, you know, you start to lose a little sense of that, I think, especially with your employees. So that's, you know, that's one of the big challenges, I think, is, you know, an organization is going through this, you know, how do they, first of all, define what their brand is going to be in this new, you know, this new market, but then how do they, they rally their employees, you know, behind that? Because, you know, the employees are really going to shape largely what that experience is and what that brand is or how that's felt. And I think, you know, we know change is hard and, you know, people, it, it really takes a, the right leader and a special leader to make sure that, you know, employees feel part of it and, and support it. Cause that, you know, if you don't do right. that well, um, that's going to make the whole thing a lot harder. Right. Right. And that's where usually 
it, it falls apart. It's right. it's not on paper with the assets and the mm-hmm. market share and all the things that are very cut and dried and left brain. It's the cultures, and you get two organizations to come together that have different cultures, and they can't right. figure out even how to work together. How are you supposed to deliver a, a better result in the end? <laughs> right. And that's where most right. mergers fall is, is on things like that. There's a there was another statistic in here that I had a little problem with for two reasons. Uh, so when they talk about uh, this idea that the consolidation could, you know, drive um, higher prices because you get more market power in the hands of fewer providers. It says, quote, well, it doesn't say quote, but in the story, it says a report from America's health insurance plans, the lobbying arm of health insurers found a similar picture saying inpatient hospital prices have risen on average, uh, an average of 8.2% between 2008, 2010, right as hospital mergers have picked up to picked up to historic levels. So first of all, what else is the American health insurance plan's <laughs> right. lobbying arm going to say? Right? right? Right. So how can you take that without the biggest grain of salt you can possibly fit in your backpack? <laughs> you know what I mean? Of course right. they're going to say that. Why would you quote somebody who has an obvious, you know, reason for claiming that problem? Mm-hmm. Um It'd be similar to having like a quote in here from the American Hospital Association saying, you know, consolidation, you know, they show that consolidation has nothing to do with increased healthcare prices. Well, of course, they're going to say that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, I, it's hard to tell from this statistic. It says prices have risen an average of 8.2% between 2008 and 2010. Um, it doesn't say annually. So I read that to be in the three years, it's increased 8.2% which is less than 3% a year, which is not much more than inflation. So that's not really a dramatic increase unless Mm -hmm. that is 8.2% a year, but it doesn't say that. Um, And even if it were, to claim that that is the reason healthcare prices are are going up, boy, that's really, I don't know how you isolate consolidation as you know the reason for that increase. Uh, And it doesn't say anything about doing that in here. It just says, hey, they've gone up. So... I think that's a really sketchy stat. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, a really good uh, story. We'll post this. Uh, again, you know, we picked on a little bit of things, but mostly I thought there was a lot of good stuff in here. Uh, what's interesting is we're going th- we're going through, uh, well, I don't know if it's done now. Maybe it's done, but uh, we've just witnessed kind of a an ugly pre-merger <laughs> situation here in the Twin Cities. Uh, Sanford Health, which many folks around the country probably have heard of, uh, used to be Sioux Valley Health, I believe, uh, in out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, received, I think it's $400 million, $600 million, something like that, yep. endowment from Denny T. Sanford, who is a uh, billionaire who made all his money in, in the financial arena, uh, and they've exploded. So they changed the name to Sanford Health. They've bought systems up and down South Dakota, some in Minnesota. Uh, and they, their goal is to be on the same level as Mayo Clinic or Cleveland Clinic, both in scale, scope, expertise, perception, all of that. And so this news broke about two, three weeks ago that, that they were in informal talks with Fairview Health System, which I believe is the second largest system in Minnesota, mm-hmm. about a merger of some kind. Now, it's been rumored in this market for well over a year that that was the case. Uh, and most people in the know also know they were talking to Alina Health, which I believe is the biggest health system in Minnesota before that. 
What's interesting is the news broke because the attorney general found out about it of Minnesota and leaked it to the press um, and then went on a eight, circa 1843 barnstorming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just it, it was amazing to witness. Public right? skewering. I mean, oh, my gosh. I mean. If you want to look up the derivation of like grandstanding, you're going to see this attorney general's picture, you know, by the the definition. Um, Attorney generals by nature are notorious for this, really notorious for going after big public issues, going after big companies to make a name for themselves. Um, I don't know if that's what she intended to do, but it sure looks like from the outside, that's what she intended to do. And so she just blew it up saying, you know, how dare this um, this outsider come in and think they're going to take over what she called a – what was the term? She said Fairview was a public trust, um, which is – I don't think that's true. <laughs> it's a nonprofit organization. It's not a public trust, right? It's not a park. It's a nonprofit <laughs> right. organization, as is, by the way, Sanford. Um the the wrinkle in this and, and where it does get sticky is Fairview operates the University of Minnesota Medical Center, so the big academic medical center here in town. Uh, and that is a public trust because it's part of the University of Minnesota. Right. So when you look at that, um, that does need to be handled appropriately. But really, they just lump Fairview in there with it. And, you know, again, part of this kind of grandstanding scene was the she found out the Fairview board was having a retreat to talk about this. So she hastily scheduled these public hearings, which were this past Sunday, um, like within a week or two, she scheduled these wow. um, to basically air all of the possible problems that this could be. And so they, they literally just, you know, I'm not, I don't know Sanford from a hole in the wall. And I've actually been kind of, um, I've actually been critical of some of the things they've done marketing wise, but they were basically kind of ushered into the public square and stoned verbally. Mm, right. I mean, right. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. Am I? No, right. I mean, it was interesting. Some of the uh, sound bites that we saw were, you know, their attorney basically saying, you know, equating this this potential merger to, you know, being bought by Walmart, although people surely aren't going to get lower prices, and everybody laughed. And it just felt, at least that comment <laughs> felt very, uh, just, you know, disingenuous. The whole thing seemed kind of goofy. Yeah, disingenuous. Huh. It, it was a complete show. Um, and again, there are legitimate issues, um, but the Attorney General, in my opinion, didn't handle them in a, in a fair-minded, calm way. It was like, you know, where's the pitchfork? Where's the torch? Let's get going. Um and what I think is even more interesting is, so that was Sunday. That was literally four days ago. Two days ago, the CEO of Sanford came out with a letter and said, you know, thanks, but no thanks. We're, we're, we're not even going to pursue this anymore. Right. Um, it sounded a little petulant, but on the other hand, I also felt like I would feel the same way. I mean, you basically were treated like crap. Uh, and there may be legitimate reasons for a critical review of Sanford. Again, I don't know, but the, they've barely been even able to talk about this. They've hardly even started right. the process. So it, right. it was so, I thought, poorly handled. And, you know, Sanford just said, you know, we kind of washed their hands of it, said, thanks, but no thanks. We, we don't want to be there if we're not welcome. And so right. see right. you yeah. later. And, and I, so, thought, I thought Sanford 
handled on their side handled it pretty well because you know their response to basically stopping discussions was that you know we're we have a policy of going where we're welcomed and invited and you know discussions started really positive with this but quickly turned sour and i think it exposed uh you know maybe you know some issues on the fairview side of not having all their stakeholders in the loop um it's certainly you know like you said, Chris, the U of M was an issue that needed to be dealt with. And it seemed like the U of M side, you know, the people from there were really kind of up in arms about it. And it sure seemed like maybe that should have been handled, you know, internally before, uh, before it got to this point. So I think it, right. to me, it came across a little, little bit embarrassing for, uh, you know, the Fairview, Fairview folks. But, but, but Robert, right. the only thing we don't know is they haven't had their board retreat. So it's very possible that those stakeholders are part of the board. I would assume they are. I would so, think so, but 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 it's interesting that you know things took a tone in in the way that they did. Uh, you know, with people representing the U at these discussions, really kind of hammering Sanford, almost a, a shame on you kind of tone. Uh, it sure right, felt like right. they were not in 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 the loop as much as you're right. You know, the the the, the right. other half of the Fairview side. Right. And so has Fairview, have they issued a response to this? Yeah, publicly? they in the news story, they came out and said, you know, you know, it's really a shame. We, you know, we've just barely begun to talk. Um, I think they were caught off guard maybe a little bit by Sanford just saying, well, screw this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of the tone intense. I got from the, the response from the, from the CEO. Right. Um, but it's just, I don't know. And, you know, in the middle of this, the president of the University of Minnesota comes out and says, hey, we'll buy Fairview <laughs> right. to keep it in Minnesota. And it was just and then and then all this other stuff starts coming out like Denny T. Sanford is like probably the number one financial donor for the University of Minnesota. I could be wrong about that. But now there's all these like, oh, my gosh, you know, oh. conflicts of interest and it gets all weird and sticky. So we don't need to get in all of it. But, you know, in the end, I just thought, um I thought it was really poorly handled by the attorney general. I think she's got the right to raise questions. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just could have been done in a better way. And I also just have a little bit of an issue with uh, the government trying to get in the way so strongly of what basically are two private enterprises trying to decide what's best for them. Uh, Again, the University of Minnesota Medical Center notwithstanding, which is definitely part of the state. So anyway, that's a little libertarian side of me coming out. It doesn't usually get there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so what, what i thought was you know, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this what i appreciated was in the letter from the ceo of sanford uh one of the reasons he gave for you know hey we're just not going to pursue this anymore was they feared for damage to their brand because yeah. they had just been kind of raked over the coals and they were like what the i mean it was a complete ambush and so you know they're like why would we want to go through this i mean you're basically just you're equating us to some big evil outside you know you know, monster coming in and yeah, I mean, that's not what we want to be seen as. So, uh, so they seem to understand the value of brand, at least at that level. So that was good. Do you think it did cause some damage already? No, I don't think so. I mean, maybe in Minnesota, uh, because I think a lot of people, uh, saw them that way because that was a lot of the news coverage. And a lot right. of the, to, to Robert's point, a lot of the commentary from the panel and from the citizens that whoever they were that showed up, I'm sure there were no plants there. God forbid they didn't <laughs> round people up and bring them in. Um, yeah, painted them pretty bad. I mean, right. And and 
you know, I don't know how much of that was qualified critique. Um, I would doubt a lot of it was qualified, but you know, right. I don't think it hurt the brand long term. No, I, uh, I think it hurts their growth plans long term because good luck right. coming to Minnesota now. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. I'm just looking at the quote from Fairview CEO, and he said, "Clearly, we need to ensure strategic alignment between us before we can advance new ideas for the future." Which I think speaks to a little mm. bit of the challenges that they will have moving forward with any partnership when you've got entities such as they do. Yep. Right. <laughs> so anyway, very interesting stuff. Uh, we had another merger in our uh, market. I think it was last year it was announced. Health Partners and Park Nicollet, uh, which are not the biggest, but kind of middle-sized players coming together. Uh, so we're seeing consolidation in our market, uh, as I'm sure many as others are. So. All right. Well, let's see, guys. Wow, we're at, at a half hour. I know. Time that flies when you're digging it into political intrigue. <laughs> <laughs> it did fly by. Man. So we wanted to talk about Walgreens. Um, you know, this has been floating around social media for about a week, and we were going to cover it last week when it came out. But, again, we weren't able to pull off our podcast. So uh, I don't know if there's anything new to say on it other than uh, – I definitely see it as a legitimate offering from a place like Walgreens. Uh, they can certainly pull it off. Whether people will gravitate toward it is another thing. And whether it's smart overall for our healthcare system, um, that's where it gets tough because I'm all for uh, competition. I think it's good for everybody. <clears throat> but I also agree with some of the comments in a story that we can post from USA Today uh, about, boy, fragmented care is not always the best way to deliver care. So if people are getting primary care from Walgreens, but having received secondary care, specialty care, emergency care, surgery, all that stuff from traditional providers, um, that's probably not the best way to manage somebody's care. Uh, right. But I, do, I don't I, know. I mean, Yeah, I do like what this kind of says about the Walgreens brand though. I mean, they're out there pushing, you know, pushing the envelope a little bit. And I think, you know, the reality is that some of these chronic diseases are become, are becoming as common as your flu and strep throat, you know, I mean, with the, Mm -hmm. the, the population that's dealing with this. And I think there are, you know, there are, you know, some basic treatments that can be offered in a setting such as a Walgreens. And, and I agree that the, bringing that into the fold and making sure that's connected so there's that continuity of care is going to be probably you know one of the biggest hurdles but i think what's what's really powerful about this is it addresses what the patient wants which is you know access and easy you know ease of of getting in and seeing a a specialist so i think you know i kind of like where it's going certainly there'll be some bumps in the road but um i'm impressed yeah i agree yeah, we'll just have to wait and see, I think. Um, I think there's kind of a back and forth here um, that I think sums it up. You know, from the a vice president of Walgreens said, we're not trying to take over primary care, but we think we can help support physicians and transform the way care is delivered to provide more access points at a time when people need it the most, which is definitely needed because of um, the new Obamacare is going to, you know, Millions more people are going to have insurance, and there's a shortage of primary care physicians. So a place like Walgreens could really help fill that gap, right? Mm-hmm. The next totally. quote, is it's not a quote, but, um, well, it's kind of a quote. 
But that offer was not welcomed by the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, again, surprise, surprise, <laughs> who said it was more difficult to manage patients' care if they are treated in various settings. So I think there's truth in that. Sure. Uh, but but then I think this counterpoint from the Walgreens person is also true. Uh, I don't know if it's Helly, Hella, Hell. Helly said that in a perfect world, all patients would have their own primary care doctors, but in reality, they simply do not. And that's also true. So... Mm-hmm. Lots of truths in there um, that don't necessarily line up with one another. So be very curious to see where this all goes. And we've been tracking Walgreens for quite some time. I mean, when I speak right. about Joe Public, when I speak about branding, I mean, we talk about the fact, I think for the last year or two, they provide diabetic consults. Mm-hmm. Right. So they've already kind of stepped into this um, a little bit. But this is obviously taking a lot further. Right. So good stuff. It is good. Yeah. It is good. It is good. All right. Anything Anything else we want to talk about? Anything fun before we wrap it up? I don't think so. My cat was doing flips in the background, so hopefully you guys didn't hear that. <laughs> Too bad you didn't get that on video. That would have been awesome. <laughs> she was just doing multiple flips. It was kind of crazy. But She's excited about the snow. Is that it? Yeah, I guess. We're going completely crazy because of it. Yeah, probably yes. that. Yeah. It's more likely. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's wrap it up there with Katie's cat. <laughs> so this Sorry, is guys. for the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards. This is Chris Pevelo. Katie Streeter. And Robert Prevo. We will talk to you next time. See you. Bye-bye.